0: Welcome to Questioning the MBA. I'm your host, Joe Ivoli. This is a podcast for people who have considered business school, but want to find a different way to achieve the same goal. As I see it, you go to business school for three reasons, the knowledge, the network, and the diploma. While this podcast can't get me the third part, my hope is that it can sure help me and you develop the first two. On this show, I'll be asking questions to experts in various business disciplines to pick their brain, learn what they know, and gather resources to continue to develop in all areas of business. Today in the show, we have the founding partner and chief strategy officer of Skylabs, Adam Trisk. Adam, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Joe. Good to do Yeah. I, um, I appreciate you taking the time, um, but uh, so listen, um, you and I had a email exchange yesterday where we were trying to figure out, um, or at least I was running the initial versions of the questions by you um, and what you actually said, um, your response was, uh, was pretty interesting. Um, originally I was going to focus exclusively on marketing um, and you wrote back saying that what you're actually focused on is innovation. Um, and I wanted to switch the questions to focus more on innovations and, and you mentioned um, that you actually believe that there's a crossover between the two and uh, I thought it'd be a really good place for you to start there. Can you, can you expand with uh, expand on that statement a little more and, and tell us what you mean?
1: Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so, you know, I think there's a lot of confusion in the marketplace. So there's, there's advertising and advertising agencies, there's marketing and marketing. Um, functions, and then there's this whole new world of innovation um, layered over that. Sometimes, in all of it, is this conversation around branding. Um, and really, I don't think I don't think most people outside of the functional areas understand the difference between them. Mm. And so, I started my career in advertising, and advertising is, in those days is really how do you help promote. A client's product in a way that it stands out and is differentiated in market.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: what eventually happened was the marketplaces became much more difficult. Right, there was no longer just print ads and radio and TV. We started to introduce this entire world of digital, and digital became very metrics-driven and track everything down to the dollars and see how the dollars are being spent relative to how much return is coming. Mm-hmm. And direct marketing, which had been this kind of subsector of the advertising industry but it was much more focused on response based advertising mm-hmm. where they could literally track everything so in the old days it was direct mail they mm-hmm. started to move that into digital formats you know the banner ad is really just a different version of direct mail in a digital environment
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so through that transition one started to get this mix of what is marketing and what is advertising, and in the old days, the client was the marketing organization and you were the advertising agency that serviced their needs. Mm -hmm. And so marketing actually becomes this much more complex beast of, we talk about it in advertising in in kind of school, but what are the, how do you price something? How do you define the product? How do you promote it? How do you place it? How does it sit relative to the rest of the marketplace? And so marketing is kind of the mechanics behind making sure that the product is desired by people, is bought by them, is priced effectively, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so marketing, advertisers naturally over the last 10 to 15 years have had to become marketers because they've had to address an organization on the other side of the table that is incredibly marketing savvy. Mm -hmm. And they've had to do it on a creative level. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: When you then step another level back... What you realize is that all of this stuff, given the, the ultra high level of competition that's happening today, really requires innovative thinking. And I think innovation has become another buzzword in our industry. But mm. innovation ultimately is how do you develop things that provide value, financial monetary value, by ensuring that they are different than what else, what is available currently. Mm -hmm. And that means evolving your existing business, evolving existing product, but it also means innovating in the ways that you do things. So choosing new channels, choosing new messages, choosing new ways of actually capturing attention. And so for me, as I think about this split between advertising, marketing, branding, and innovation, there's actually, there shouldn't be a differentiation as one looks at all of those, Mm -hmm. but they are very unique skill sets. And I think I'm fortunate that I started my career in advertising. I then moved into g- digital marketing. Mm-hmm. I then moved into tech and start the startup environment. I then did branding on a big level. I then did marketing at a digital organization. Mm-hmm. And now I've created my own company with a partner, and we're focused on innovation. Mm-hmm. Innovation for us is really, and so Skylabs is an innovation lab, but we focus on the intersection of three very distinct things. The first is innovation strategies. The second mm-hmm. is development of product, and that can be physical product, digital product, or physical and digital products together. Mm -hmm. And the third is advising clients on how they go to market. So you could call it marketing, Mm -hmm. but how they they actually take something ultimately that's innovation Mm -hmm. and put it in the marketplace. And that means understanding what's happening in the marketplace Mm -hmm. and coming up with a response to that marketplace that allows you to have something that's unique and differentiated. And so... When you look at a lot of the innovation agencies today, they either started as marketing companies that picked up innovation. they started as design firms that realized that there was work to be you know gained in other areas, branding, marketing, et cetera, mm-hmm. or they came from strategy perspective. And so when we started this, we decided we shouldn't keep separating these things. We've got to make sure that great innovation comes from understanding. The right strategy, the right product, and the right mar- go-to-market strategy, mm-hmm. all at the same time. So that's that's where I see the similarity between all of it.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. And and I'm sorry. I, I actually I told you I was going to start with the introduction. Um, <laughs> can you can you just give us a, a brief background? I know you mentioned Skylabs, but uh, just tell us briefly. Um, you know, you as the as the founder and chief strategy officer of Skylabs. Um, what is Skylabs? What do you do?
1: Yeah, so we started about almost three years ago, and we started with the intention of not being another agency, and so we established ourselves as a lab, um, and we do two things. We work with clients to help them um, understand, make sense of, and respond to the marketplace
2: mm-hmm. through
1: innovation, and we also incubate our own ideas that we will be taking to market. So we're working on a couple things independently. Gotcha. Um, you know, when we first started our business, we worked with a lot of um, a, just say, smaller brands in general as we were building up the reputation of what we do. Mm. And we're fortunate. I mean, today we are working with an incredible suite of clients, all in the kind of Fortune 100 category. So mm. we're doing some really interesting work with Ford at the moment. Uh, we're working with Verizon. We've worked with Pepsi. Um, we're working with the Vatican. In fact, we're off to the Vatican in a week to help them. Huh. Well, along with uh, about 40 other people, we're helping them build a culture and innovation lab at, in Vatican City. And so, cool. um, you know, we have started doing a lot of really interesting products, uh, projects. And those range from, you know, for Pepsi, we helped them understand the potential in a new marketplace to use off-the-grid vending machines. We also prototyped an off-the-grid vending machine that was powered on a non-traditional power source. Um, and so we prototyped that. It sits in their innovation lab today as an example of rapid prototyping that can help them explore new opportunities. Very cool. Um, for Verizon, we helped them understand the connected smart home space, what was going on and where there was opportunity for them specifically, hmm. uh, in the world of IoT. And so really tackling some super interesting stuff and the, the work we're doing with Ford right now can't, can't speak extensively on, but, mm-hmm. um, really fascinating work for us fortune 20 company that is you know an incredible heritage brand they've been around for over a over a century and they're they're looking at not just how they stay and remain progressive in their existing business but how do they make sure that they build a future that 10 15 20 years from now allows them to continue to be a heritage brand that is innovating and so really interesting stuff we're we're honored to have the types of clients we have and Mm -hmm. excited to work on the types of Projects we're
0: working on. So it sounds like it sounds like right now you guys are you guys are working with pretty pretty large companies. Um, but w- one of the things that I specifically wanted to talk about is um, you know younger startups, startups that are uh, you know that yep. are just getting started, only a few people in the company. Um, and specifically, what I wanted to talk to you about is I, I wanted to start almost from from day one. Um, you know, yep. you're you're a founder. You're thinking about building a product, marketing that product uh going to market with that product um what are some of the things that you would recommend um people take into account like where does sky labs dig in when they're brought in to work with the company
1: yeah so you know i I think while we work with all these really big large companies and Mm. and i love it it's, it's obviously where we can see huge impact i think I personally have an enormous passion for startups as mm-hmm. businesses, and I think I've done a number of them, my own, and joined them. Uh, you and I met when I was at a, a, a startup, and I think that what's so exciting for startups is that they they literally carry no baggage, and so the opportunity to define themselves, their mm-hmm. place in the market, how they're perceived, all of that stuff is completely nascent, and so you know i was looking at the the questions around kind of strategic planning and where does one start and how do you start developing a marketing plan what what do you literally do on day 1 from a from a let's just call it a marketing perspective mm-hmm. and the truth is you have to the, the only way to start this process is by making sure you've got a very clear definition mm-hmm. of what the problem is in the marketplace and how it is that you're solving that problem and that definition me- needs to be universally understood and not just understood, it needs to be universally rallied behind. Mm-hmm. And that means the founders need to get behind it. The staff, you know, the employees need to get behind it. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it's a process of being very clear in what it is that you do. And from what it is that you do, you then have to make sure that you understand who your customer is. And I, I see this a lot. I think that, you know, we start to talk about B2B and B2C, and every, there's a huge division between those that that do one category versus those that do the other. And the mm-hmm. truth is, the customer is not just the person that you're selling it to, selling your service, your product to, but it's also the person that they're ultimately selling it to if there's a if it's in the B2B marketplace. And so mm-hmm. one's always gotta understand who the end the true end user is mm-hmm. and therefore how do you build something that applies to them. And so when when I was working at, at Crowdfist on loyalty stuff, for us, or at least from my perspective, this was much less around the B2B customer who was buying our product and much more around what's the solution that they were actually giving to their customers, because loyalty and it lives as a customer problem, not as your client's problem. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was the focal point. Mm-hmm. Um, the third area is understanding the marketplace, right? So if you're, it, it's very rare to go into a marketplace in which you're the first in. And so when you enter a marketplace, you've got to understand the dynamics. The fundamentals, how long does the sales process take? How Mm -hmm. much are things priced at? What are the challenges? What's not working? What is working? Mm -hmm. And then I think the last part is defining the culture. So Mm -hmm. every company wants to start, everyone has an objective, they all have financial goals. But the only way that you ever do this, and I think there's a number of phenomenal examples out in the marketplace, that have done this really, really well, Zappos, I think is one of them, Mm -hmm. is you've got to define a culture that is representative of the reason that you're in business in the first place. And it's got Mm -hmm. to be a very authentic reason because all of your strategy, all the definition that comes out of what's our vision, our mission, our values, all that brand strategy work that sets the foundation of your company Mm -hmm. needs to rest very heavily on the type of company you ultimately want to be. And that is truly embodied in the culture It's the types of people you'll hire. It's the way you have dialogue with your customers. It's the way you behave every day. Mm -hmm. And without that cultural piece, it doesn't really matter what you define. Mm -hmm. Without culture, there's no company. Mm -hmm.
0: So is that, um, a a lot of questions from that, but my, my, my first one is, is that is the culture, the first place where you would start where day one, you're starting a company. It's let's, let's define what the culture is or is the first thing to clearly define what the problem is you're solving and how you're going to how you're going to solve it where would you focus your energy on day one
1: yeah it's a great question i i don't think you can actually separate those two all together i think Mm -hmm. that culture is very often implied but not defined and so Mm Um, if you're, let, let's say you're stepping into a company where you're not part of the founder's group, but you're part of the early stage of that company, yep. they may think that they understand what it is that they're trying to build, uh-huh. but there's, you know, th- it's too young. It's like a child who hasn't yet developed their sense of identity. Mm-hmm. They know that they exist. They know that they interact with the world, but they don't yet know who they are. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to start by defining who you are, but you also, at the same time that you're defining who you are, you've got to understand the business the reason that you're even there together trying to solve a problem. So Mm -hmm. I think you've got to do both of those things. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can separate them out. Um, And I think the biggest challenge, this I think is true for all of us, when you're looking to involve yourself in any company, whether it's a startup or an existing business, the goal is to ask yourself, does it meet and, and does it match the values that I hold sacred to myself in my life? um
2: mm-hmm.
1: and are those values things that are part of the inherently part of this culture and if they're not it never works right because mm-hmm. you're always fighting something that is opposite to what your instinctual nature is so yep. culture culture is a very it's something everyone talks about but it's a very um kind of instinctual thing that you've got to feel and then the goal is defining what it is that you're feeling mm
0: mm-hmm. mhm Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. So uh, one of the things that you mentioned is, you know, y- you have to understand your customer. Um, yep. and, and this, uh, you know, from working with the startups that I've worked with or talking to people who work in marketing, this seems to be the one thing that people gloss over the most, um, at least in yep. my opinion. Um, how do you recognize or how, how do you recommend that people put in the work to understand their customers? What are some of the best ways to do that?
1: literally go find your customers and have conversations with them. I think Uh we spend a lot of time, especially in marketing, right, getting data reports and looking at social insights and doing all the things to understand and aggregate who the customer is, what they're doing. Mm -hmm. It's almost like we're trying to, we call them in in marketing, they're called targets. They're called targets because it's a military term for how you identify something and then blow it up. And so (laughs) it's this very sort of aggressive way of us understanding who it is that we're looking for. We're and we're looking for ways, you know, all the marketing strategy is about looking for ways to manipulate or to, to appeal to their emotional positions so that mm-hmm. we can, you know, get them to buy our product over someone else's product. And I think the truth is we can look at reports, we can look at data, we can try and believe we understand millennials and we understand, you know, the Gen X or the aging consumer, But very few people get out and just ask them. And so Mm -hmm. we're doing a lot of work today, and I think it all comes out of the kind of Stanford D School um, design thinking, you know, agile software development approach, which is build in small increments by understanding what it is that you're dealing with. And so we just worked with uh, a Virgin brand that's about to launch. It's a brand-new company within um, Virgin's portfolio. And we went and we did – Two days worth of rapid prototyping work sessions to develop products and we did it in conjunction with customers.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: every hour we had customers that met our demographic group that we thought we were appealing to mm-hmm. coming in and we were showing them everything from, you know, ske- rough sketches on paper all the way through to Low fidelity prototypes that we had kind of, you know, quasi coded mm-hmm. to get feedback. And the, the process of developing in conjunction with your customer, and that's, you can develop product, you can develop strategy, mm-hmm. is really about spending the time to understand who they are. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's no shortcut to that. Just get mm-hmm. out, have the conversations. Yep. We live, you know, you and I live in New York. That you can at any time find any customer that you might be targeting by going to any park and just asking people if you can ask them some questions.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and and how do you know? Uh, I mean, I guess for lack of a better question, how many how many customers are you talking to? Right, like how do you recognize that you're that you're onto something when you're talking to your customer?
1: I think what you'll eventually find is that you start to hear the same things over and over, mm-hmm. and that. You've got it. You're basically testing hypotheses and I I don't think it's a, it's a matter of how many people. So, you know, we're always looking for kind of quantitative analysis. What's the right number of people. The right number is the number that you consistently hear back the same message from. And Mm so, you know, pretend you're, I don't know, selling baked goods. If you go out and you give that baked good to 50 people and all of them rave about it, you're Mm -hmm. probably onto something. You don't need to go find another 50 people. Mm -hmm. Um, you just need to make sure that you're selling it in an area where those types of people exist. Mm Um, but you know, to go and do another two thousand just to validate that what you heard from those 50 is accurate. Now, Mm -hmm. if you're not hearing something consistent, then the implication is there's something wrong with what you're doing, Mm -hmm. change the product, try something new, ask them what it is that they want. And I think that process process of iterating, eventually when you get it, you get it because everybody wants it. and if you know, look at it's, it's a tough thing i don't think that if you were to look at something like the iphone i don't mm-hmm. think that they went through massive quantitative analysis for whether or not it met. i think some companies just operate from a position of understanding the marketplace better than the market understands itself and mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a high risk proposition mm-hmm. there are very few companies that pull it off yeah. the apples the nike's the google's they managed to do that mm-hmm. but not everyone can mm-hmm. can,
0: can you uh... Can you talk a little bit can you, or can you expand a little bit more on what you said when when you're talking to a bunch of your customers and you're not necessarily hearing the same things from all of them you said it's time to go back and start looking at your at your products can you can you talk a little bit yeah. more about that? what do you mean by that
1: yeah so i you know I think that we often become so attached to what it is that we have created, built, or worked hard to sell that we're incredibly resistant to making changes to that, and so we see it on a software level. You see it on a a physical product level. Um, one of the examples I can tell you is that, you know, when we were in the early days of crowd and we were trying to sell loyalty technology, what we consistently heard back from people who didn't currently have loyalty programs, even though it made sense for them, their business, their industry and their customer is that they, and and I'm talking about public companies, Mm -hmm. they would look at this and they would say, well, but if we do this, we have to carry liability on our books. And that's a big financial decision for us because we've got to create liability against the points that are issued mm-hmm. to make sure that we can cover those. Mm-hmm. And so once you start touching someone's books, you've got a whole different set of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it, the, the, so the path was either you stop approaching that type of customer and you focus on the types of customers that are adopting uh-huh. non-public, you know, smaller businesses, et cetera. Or you start to look at how you make changes to your product so that you can get rid of that sort of economic stress that they've got to carry and remove that barrier to why they wouldn't purchase your product. Mm -hmm. And I just think that as marketers, it's really easy to get tied into, I've got what I've got, I sell what I sell, as opposed to, I've got what I've got, I sell what I sell, but when I hear enough people telling me that they don't want an aspect or the thing that I'm selling, I, may, I can make adjustments mm-hmm. to make sure that they do buy it. Mm-hmm. At least, I think you see it all the time. Certainly you can look at any failed company and at some point they stopped delivering something people wanted. Uh-huh. It, Maybe it, they could have pivoted.
0: Yeah, it, it, so it, it sounds like what you're saying is that when you talk to enough people, it's not that you're not gonna, it's not that you'll talk to them and you'll hear different things from everyone. It's that you need to be willing to accept hearing things that you don't necessarily wanna hear. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Absolutely. Hmm. Um, so, w- one last question, because, you know, I, I know you. Uh, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, but specifically as it comes to, uh, you mentioned culture and I know that we wanted to talk about branding and I know that you guys are big on branding. Um, yep. maybe you can talk about how the two of those come together. Um, so you're, you're a young startup, right? And, and you want to define your culture, but obviously your brand sort of needs to be an extension of your culture. Um, or rather, is, is that correct? Is that how you should be thinking about it?
1: Yeah, so let's just separate brand for a second. Mm -hmm. You've got your physical brand, which is your identity, right? Your mark, your logo, your tagline. Mm -hmm. And then you've got your brand as it exists, just kind of as a a, a philosophical thing or, a a, you know, a, a series of products or whatever it is that consumer, your messages, all the other things that surround your physical brand. And I think There's two pieces to this. I think that the physical brand is really critical. And so you can take almost any industry. Mm -hmm. And when you start a branding exercise, the interesting thing is take all the people that you think you're competing against, Mm -hmm. print out a copy of their website, print out their logos, put it all up on a wall. And I guarantee what you'll see is the same shapes, the same colors being used consistently across all of them. Generally, even things like the same fonts. Mm -hmm. And the reason that that happens is, you know, banks who are building brands have done analysis to say that blues and reds are more trusted colors than bright other colors but Mm -hmm. then look at a a competitor that came in like ally bank and Mm -hmm. ally said we're not going to look like your typical bank we're going to look totally different than anything else that's Mm -hmm. in the market because we can't offer a different product and look the same and so i think the first thing to do is differentiate yourself from the sea of sameness by making sure you don't don't copy what's being done in the industry you're competing in. Uh-huh. The second is figuring out how that brand then embodies parts of that culture. And that, that is delivered through the product you develop, the relationship or the interaction that customers have or all the way around your brand, and I'll explain that in a second, mm-hmm. um, And the, and the language you use to define it. So I think a tagline is a great example. Mm-hmm. A tagline... That serves the marketing purpose doesn't connect with customers, and so you mm-hmm. can look at most taglines; they're pretty generic. Mm-hmm. You could take one off one company, put it on another, and no one would know the difference. Mm-hmm. And the reason is it doesn't tell you anything about why they're in the business or how they're changing, changing mm-hmm. the world, changing industry. It just tells you what it is that they do. Could you, you may, know?
0: maybe this is a tough maybe this is a tough question, but can you give me an example of a tagline that just serves the marketing purpose?
1: Yeah, I mean. I, so I say yes like that. I've got to think back. And yeah. I, I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> That's what I mean. I I know it's a, yeah, God. Um, I don't mean to to pick on CrowdTwist for this, but mm-hmm. so when I was there, we used the the tagline "Give More, Get More," and mm-hmm. the truth was it was a loyalty program, and the whole concept of it was to take a very um, authentic viewpoint that in asking people for their data their information, asking them to do certain things in, in order to issue them points, the only way to build trust in those systems is to recognize the value they're giving you and to give them something equal of value back. Mm-hmm. And so it was really important to us to then develop a tagline that was more about the reason that the company existed than the product that they were selling, because anyone who wants to understand the product will just go and look at what it is, or they'll see it associated with others. Mm-hmm. I think today it sits as something like loyalty delivered, or yep. you know, loyalty reimagined, or something, which doesn't really differentiate it. It's just that that's marketing language; it's not creative language. And so, I think mm-hmm. one's got to balance. Of course, you can't be totally obtuse with with the language, but yep. you've got to make sure that it comes back. The other piece I was saying around understanding the touch points is that. I worked on on branding work for Sprint many years ago, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and we did the same for Heineken and for Whirlpool. But when you start to look at all the places that a customer touches your brand, there are an enormous number of messaging points or types of relationships that are developed. And so call centers is a great example. right? And I think American Express has done call centers particularly well because what they haven't done is just outsourced their call centers at the expense of the customer relationship that they've built, so they're traditionally, you know, they're on the other side of the customer. If you have an issue, they get they solve it immediately. There's no worry about having to say I'm, I need to speak to a manager. Mm-hmm. That very simple touch point, which touches millions of their customers, has to convey the culture of that brand mm-hmm. because that's what your customers ultimately left with. Yep. Now take that to another banking institution, Bank of America. When I call Bank of America with an issue. I'm routed to a place yeah. where I can barely understand what's being said, where mm-hmm. they don't have the authority to make decisions, mm-hmm. and they're talking to me about my money. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's this huge disconnect. Like the brand relationship will never be strong with that bank. Take Time Warner. Mm-hmm. Another, I mean, I don't know if you have Time Warner, but the number of times I've had to call that company with serious issues, billing, Service issues, et cetera, et cetera, yep. and the the customer service experience is horrific. Mm-hmm. How do you ever build a great brand built on a culture of great values mm-hmm. if you can't deliver it everywhere that a customer touches you, mm-hmm. in store, online, in call centers, you know, through your bills, all of that stuff? And so, the brand is such a the brand is the only thing that makes that company what it is. Mm-hmm. Both from the mark because it's what's identified, but also from the, the attitude and relationship it establishes with its customer.
0: Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, listen, Adam. Uh, you know, I uh, like I said, I, I don't want to keep you too long. I I, I have tons of questions I that I you could YouTube. ask, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I have to run too. Um, but uh, but listen, um, maybe we can do a round two. Um, but before I let you go. Um, One of the questions I wanted to ask is based off of what we talked today, um, you know, innovation, strategic planning around marketing and and branding, branding and culture. um, Do you have any recommendations for resources, books, articles, blogs, um, you know, that are particularly strong on these topics?
1: Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that before we we got on this, and the Mm -hmm. truth is I don't read blogs. (laughs) Probably just not part of that genre. (laughs)
2: Um,
1: So I was going back and thinking about some of the things that really have stuck with me through my career, and and Mm -hmm. so there are a couple of things. I think there was the uh, ex-chief marketing officer from Coca-Cola, Sergio Ziman, who left him in a kind of flurry of of issues, um, and you can you can look it up separately, but mm-hmm. he wrote a book called The End of Marketing as we know it, and I think it's probably one of the great marketing books that's ever been written, mm-hmm. and it really sets the tone for when things aren't working, kill them and move on, forget the investment. Uh-huh. And so as people struggle with what do I invest in, how do I invest, how do I know if something's working, so on and so forth, it just, I think it, it helps people understand that. The other is any one of Malcolm Gladwell's books. I think there's a lot... Well, I think in some ways a couple of them are overly simplistic, it helps just understand that there's much more instinctual um, foundations of why things work in market than mm-hmm. science. And so tipping point and blink and that sort of stuff are really interesting. Yep. Um, the other is there's a lot of books out there on neuro-linguistic programming, which is really uh, a lot of psychology. And so I would from NLP all the way to anything that's about psychology of of consumer behavior. I'm a psych, I was a psych major in college. So for me, it's much more, it's just, it's more, it's more easily grasped. But Mm -hmm. what I've watched is for people who don't have that background, it's a little bit more, it, it becomes obvious when it's stated, but getting to the understanding of it, it's a little bit more difficult. So I would look at, What's the psychology of how people make decisions? What's the psychology of relationships? Huh. Because ultimately, brands are relationships that we have in our lives. So I, I would do some reading inside there. And, you know, for me, in innovation, I'm constantly looking at what's going on in the market. That to me, it's not really about blogs. It's just about spending the time searching, um, reading. I obviously get a lot of stuff sur- surfaced through social. Yep. Um, Spring Springwise is a really interesting resource for what's kind of hot, trendy across topics, okay. but I think if you're interested in a topic, just start digging in. You know, what's happening here? What's, how are advances happening in this sector? And I, I just try and read as much as, as one can
0: gotcha gotcha um adam listen I, I really appreciate you taking the time but uh let's definitely get you back for our part two because i have a bunch of more questions that i want to ask you <laughs> you got it anytime thanks for listening to questioning the mba i'm your host joe uvoli you can follow me on twitter at joe uvoli if you have any questions about the podcast guests i should have on topics i should cover or things i might have missed Please tweet at me. I want to learn how I can make this show better. You can find all episodes of Questioning the NBA and all the NBA articles I've written at my website, joeivoli.com. Until next time, keep working and keep getting better.